Once upon a time, there were four little rabbits. How old are you, Johnny? She asked. Sixteen. We few, we happy few, we band of brothers. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. A wise old king once said, Of the making of books, there is no end. How true today. Of the overabundance of writing published each year, what's worth reading? The answer is simple. Read only the best. Come join the discussion on Just the Best Literature. Well, hello again, everyone. Thanks for listening in today. Well, I do have a comment today, and I am so excited. This is uh, from a listener all the way down under. And so uh, I think that she is either from New Zealand or from Australia. But she writes me, Dear JBL, how did you come to have a discussion with Mr. Michael Sheldon? Now, I guess that is a big question from time to time. We do have special guests in. I haven't done that for a while. And uh, actually, our executive producer, Dwight Falk, said, why don't you start getting some more people in? And so so what I had done, for all of you listeners out there, I just wrote to Mr. Michael Sheldon. I found his email address online. That's a good thing about the Internet. He's not afraid to, to, uh, to have it out there. I wrote him and told him what we're doing with the program, told him that I teach literature, and uh, I just asked him if he'd be interested in coming on and talk about George Orwell. And he wrote me back within five minutes. That was shocking. And he said he'd be happy to help. So, uh, so he was really, really very kind to do that and did spend an hour with us, and I know he's a very busy man. Now she goes on to say, now, he's, now she's talking about Michael Sheldon, who says, whose thoughts expressed made so much sense when today it is so uncommon. And she says, most appreciated. And so uh, I appreciate the comment. But then she goes on to say, being one like you who didn't hear her, uh, didn't find her niche, and in a family of seven of whom four were teachers, I was training to be one, but I failed. But being called is now what I'm headed for. So uh, obviously she must also be a church member. It's good to have those comments. Please uh, keep them coming in, and I'm sure this, uh, this 1984 series will really generate that. Well, again, for everyone out there listening, welcome back to JBL. Now, during our last program, the uh, 1984 men's panel finished discussing book one of George Orwell's classic novel, 1984. Now, after we uh, taped the programs, they said, well, they felt like there were a few things they wished they had talked about, so we're going to bring them back here before we're done with this book, and I'm sure we'll get we'll talk a little bit more about book one as we get into book three. So in those programs, though, we did focus our discussion on the world of Winston Smith. And what was our conclusion? Well, Winston's world is beginning to look a lot like our own. <laughs> and even more so as we see all these statues being pulled down. And so uh, we'll get into some of that today. Now, for today's program, I would like to begin discussing 1984's book two which does give us a detailed look into Winston Smith and the two most important, I'd say, people in his life would be Julia and O'Brien. Now, to help me do this, we have put together a woman's panel. So back with me is my lovely wife and partner in literature, Deborah. So welcome back, Deborah. Thank you. It's good to be here again. And I would like to introduce Miss Emma Moore, one of my former literature students who is now a senior here at Armstrong College. So welcome, Emma. Thank you very much. It's good to have you both here. Uh, you're the two smartest people in my life, so it's going to make my job a lot easier. <laughs> oh, boy. 
So Emma was one of my top students in the class. She knows that, and uh, so does everybody else in the class. <laughs> so, but I think it might be best if we just give some general insights into each of the characters first, and then we'll get into more details about their inner relationships. So let's start out with Winston Smith. And uh, I'm going to open up. Hands up first, gets to go. Okay, well, I can say, you know, talk about him. He was a... He, he was 39 years old, kind of a frail intellectual is probably how you describe him, frail intellectual man who, who um, he was a, an outer party member. If you realize that there is distinction, there's the inner party and then the outer party. And he was an outer party member. And he had an unusual job, which was to rewrite news articles that didn't um, agree with the current understanding of history, which was always changing. So it was very interesting. And um, so he's an interesting person. I also believe that he he may have been a little bit like um, Orwell himself. Orwell may have described somewhat of himself because he also um, had, he was frail and he had um, difficulty with, with some kind of lung problem because he did have a lot of coughing. And we know that Orwell did have die of tuberculosis. So. Right, right. So, uh, Emma, I'll let you go ahead before I get my two cents in. <laughs> I guess um, one of the most, the points that stood out to me the most is how he has this sense of inferiority, you know, that he wants to make a difference. We see that he's taking these courses of action that kind of show that he doesn't entirely agree with what the party is saying, what Big Brother is saying, but he just um, had a sense of inferiority that um, had an impact on how he felt and also to the other two main people in his life, like you said, O'Brien and Julia, just in two different regards. Just O'Brien's intelligence and Julia's youth, but we'll get to them later. (laughs) Right, right. Well, the thing that I when I uh, go through this, and uh, this is, well, the second time I read the book, but I did I did do a little bit more thinking about him, and he seems to me like, like he's really a sensitive person. You know, he's, um, when we when we start comparing him to Julia, they're just radically, radically different. He, he really does have feelings, and, uh, um, we know that the, I think we've even talked about this in the last two programs. That's one of the big things that the party doesn't want people to have is feelings. But but he has feelings, but he's also very adept at hiding those feelings. And and the the, the reason they come out. And again, I I was thinking about just the structure of the book is who's who's the real narrator of the book. I mean, he's telling that the narrator is telling the story of Winston. And so, so you're just you're just wondering. I mean, it's it's uh, when you look at the structure of how they write, is this narrator obviously has deep insight into into Winston Smith, and I think uh, I'd, I'd almost go along to say that actually it's Orwell is narrating the book because he's talking about himself, and and I think George Orwell had a lot of feelings himself, and of course his father, uh, you know, as we talked about with Michael Sheldon. And in that biography, we talked about it is that, you know, his father was an official of the imperial, you know, um, employment in the in, in the empire, and uh, you know he was very straight laced, always was perfect in his clothing, didn't seem like he had a lot of fun, 
uh, except maybe he liked his golf and his you know sherry and things like that. But but he didn't have any relationship with with uh, Orwell at all. And so so I, I do think it's interesting that when you look at Winston, you know when he has dreams, he's always dreaming about his mother and his sister. And of course, you know they're gone. The parties, whether they were evaporated or whether they, you know, just show up sometime. And there was a, you know, there's there's well, I don't want to get too far ahead. I'm going to get too far ahead of myself. But but he does have he does have a lot of feelings, and I, I think he has, uh, as uh, Emma said, he has really serious inferiority issues. But yet he's he's in some ways he's really courageous. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's mm-hmm. willing to take on the party. Mm-hmm. And and he hates the party, and mm-hmm. so so there's that inferiority, and I think I think maybe the inferiority is is uh, it really comes out when he's with Julia, because mm-hmm. she's young and beautiful and striking, and you know here he's got varicose veins and he's got <laughs> this heart this varicose vein popping out the bottom of his leg, and uh, you know for being 39 that's a problem that's awfully young, I mean to happen to a very young man really, um, so so. Uh, and anyway, I do think he's he's really really uh, sensitive, but he's got a vivid imagination, and also he's a deep thinker, and so so those are really interesting qualities. And I think again, we could probably find all of those in Orwell, you know, where he's a deep thinker, and especially when when uh, let's say if we look at it just from a structural standpoint, when he finally gets the book discussing the party. I mean, when you read that, where did Orwell come up with all that? <laughs> it's just, it's just amazing, but it all makes sense, mm-hmm. you know. So, so anyway, okay. So let's move on. Let's move on now quickly to uh, just get the overview of Julia. So uh, I'll let whoever wants to put their hand up first go first. So, go well, ahead, Emma. Hit, right. Well, hit us, hit us with Julia. <laughs> Julia is only described in relation with her interactions with Winston. Um, and he doesn't really know too much about her until they finally get to know each other. And he finds out that she's 26 and she works in the fiction department. But his initial thoughts of her are very different compared to when he actually does get to know her, which is pretty interesting. He has these initial thoughts that he does not like her at all. She gives off, she looks like she's a member of the party. She attends all these voluntary activities and he thinks that she might even be a member of the thought police and then he finds out through pretty particular instance that that's all incorrect and he's judged her character wrong right yeah and it's it's interesting it's interesting when you know she actually like you say she's master of disguise and great actor and she trips and falls so she can pass on a, a note to Winston and and he, he, he of course he can't look at it right away because you have to remember everything you do is, is there's a, a telescreen everywhere you and you have to be careful you can't show any un, anything unusual any unusual emotion you can't show that you're looking at a note so he eventually is able to carefully look at the note but he's thinking things like oh Oh, this is my death death notice. This is a thought. <laughs> She's thought police for sure. I'm I'm going to die. I'm going to yeah. die. This is it. You know, there's a bullet in the back of my. This head. is this yeah. is it. Yes, <laughs> and and then when it turns out it's a it's a love note saying I love you, he just he just about could hardly you know stand it you know and yeah. and of course trying to keep his emotion under control so it doesn't sh- it doesn't show to the telescreen all the time. It's very interesting. 
But that, then he goes to the other extreme. Oh, we'll bring this out. Then he goes to the other extreme and is like, he's a love. He's a, he's a lovebird. Oh yes. You know, and it's yeah. like he can't he can't even focus anymore on writing lies. Right. Because mm-hmm. he's like, wow. It's like finally someone someone loves me, which to me, it, it's like, <laughs> what a world they lived in. I mean, this this world that that George Orwell created. I mean, what a world to live in when. When he, you know, she's a, she's a good master of disguise, but he's a master at hiding his feelings. He's a real master at hiding his thoughts. And he knows so well, I mean, just like what, what you just said there, he has to be careful. He can't look at the note right away. He has to kind of hide the note and get to a private place. When I think that's one of the funniest things is said, he thought of going into the water closet. <laughs> now, for all, a, a lot of Americans, they, they may not know what water closet is. But uh, having uh, been to England many times and love the English society, it's it's like a you know a bathroom stall in the men's room where you can close the door. And he says that's like the worst place to go to read anything because you can be sure you're going to be seen there. You know, <laughs> it's like you can't even go to the water closet without the telescreen looking at you. They, to me, that was hilarious. And uh, of course, you know George Orwell did have a sense of humor, and so there there are some humorous things in there that along with the serious serious stuff. But um, uh, I, I think that that Julia, um, like I said, I, she's a master of disguise, um, and and she was a great great actor. But the thing is, she was also rebellious against the party, but she still wanted to use the party for her own ends. I mean, she she um, she was on the she was buying things from the black market. She knew it came from the inner party. And, yes, and she said they're a bunch of swine because they had all the good wines, they had all the good mm-hmm. chocolates, they had all the good coffee. So she was mm-hmm. not afraid to take advantage of that and buy things from the servants that were stealing. You know, so so they're they're really kind of just opposite, such opposite personalities. I mean, I don't think uh, I don't think he would be that criminal to want to go to the maybe to the black market. He goes to the prole area and goes to the shops, but it doesn't seem like he'd be really wanting to expose himself with the black market. So Yeah, that, that isn't what, what drove him. I mean, what drove him was more history and why why things were going on and all the... Because he was an intellectual. Those those things were more... You know, that's what really drove him, whereas she she was really materialistic and opportunistic. Yes. Go ahead, Emma. I think one thing that's interesting is Winston, like you said, he's really good at like hiding all his feelings, how he's reacting to things that's happening around him. But you do see in parts of the book that it does exhaust him. He knows how the system works. He knows how to get around it, but it just exhausts him day after day of just acting a certain way, but thinking all these different thoughts. And I think for Julia, the contrast is that she enjoys that. She enjoys playing the system. She enjoys getting the benefits of working around the rules. And there's one part in the book where she says, if you keep the small rules, you can break the big ones. And I think that kind of just sums up her perspective on how she gets around and what she does, what she does. Right. And I I think the thing is that that, um, maybe we could kind of go on to O'Brien now in the inner party. I, I think the reason why Emma, she could say that is because she knew that the inner party, they're all breaking the rules. They don't, 
they're not doing what they're making everybody else do. I do think it's interesting when, when you when you look at Julia and she knows that the inner party does all these things. Is is uh, I don't want to give the name away, but there's one conservative news source that I've been listening to recently that's, that was talking about the CDC and talking about the this uh, you know panel of experts that uh, President Trump put in place, and they were making all these recommendations that we have to do we have to wear masks you know you have to do social distancing you have to um you know you have to be uh, uh you know stay in your homes and here all of that it, it's like there's two sides to it now with all the protesting going on there isn't one of them saying that they shouldn't protest they're saying actually go ahead and protest it's okay you know, now they're all wearing masks, but they're all criminals. They're going to be wearing masks anyway. I mean, they're just uh, they're just helping the the protesters. And and uh, this commentator says, I'm not, I'm not going to believe another thing they say, nor am I going to do what they say again. And uh, uh, even last night, I mean, we, we have to admit in this country that what we're seeing is a revolution. It's not just protests. And uh, she says. Uh, the commentator said, "Look, we have to face the fact that there's a revolution out there, and this is real. This, this is, and and they uh, they went on to say, you know, there's the heads of this revolution that are hidden, and they're supporting it, and it comes from some very wealthy people. They're supporting it, and they wouldn't want their property destroyed the way they're destroying statues and all that. You know, they're, they're living in their mansions." And they're, you know, they're, they're living high. They're always going to have money. And, uh, you know, they're not afraid that their property is going to be destroyed. And, and 1984 brings this out. And I think, I think George Orwell does a masterful job, masterful job of bringing it out through Julia. That, that she's fighting. Mm -hmm. She knows that they have a double standard. So, anyway, I'll go, that's my little part there. So, so let's talk more about O'Brien. Well, he's he's an interesting character. He's we know he's an inner party member, and so that means that you know at the top there's the there's the inner party, then there's the outer party, then there are what they call the proles or the proletariat. So, you know, he's he's in up in up in the upper parts of the of the um, party. He's kind of mysterious. We don't know a lot about him, but main thing is 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 you know at first Winston seems like he's he's attracted to him because it just seems like. There's some connection that they have, some like-minded connection. So, just by and so he's he's really curious and and um, you know interested in him. And so they do have a, an encounter at one point where O'Brien does um, make it make a um, a connection with um, with Winston. So we can talk about more about that. But it's interesting okay. where it goes from there. Right. So. Well, we do mm -hmm. we do hear about him in the very first book, right? I mean, it's just that, mm. and again, this is like Winston Smith is definitely Orwell because Orwell could really size up people, and there are some people he could look at and know he would like them, and there's other people he'd look at and know he would not like them, and so so when Winston first sees O'Brien, he feels this like instantaneous connection that they think alike, and that they both want to get rid of the party, and uh, of course. You know, sometimes your first perceptions can be wrong, <laughs> and of course, you know Winston has to learn this with o with O'Brien. <laughs> yeah. But O'Brien is kind of a master at 
you know, hoodwinking people. So go ahead, Emma. Yeah. I just, well, it's just interesting because, yeah, like you said, Winston takes one look at him and he sometimes has these urges to just say, you know, I don't um, agree with the party. I hate Big Brother as well. Like, what do I need to do? And it's just such an interesting idea. And I think also it's brought out in book two as well. Juliet is completely on board with that. She doesn't think that's rash at all. She believes in also she can judge a person by just one one look at them. And that's how she knew Winston. She could give that note to Winston because she just said, I'm good at seeing who is not completely on board with the party. Right, right. And I, I, I do think that is, uh, you know, when in that scene, and we'll probably t- talk about this scene a little bit more, but when, when she does tell him, I mean... Uh, I was surprised reading it in the book where she was, she has no fear and she says, yeah, let's, let's go, let's approach him. Let's tell him, let's talk to him. And in in some ways, um, that was the worst thing they could have done when you, by the time you get to the end of the book. But I, I think what Orwell is really trying to communicate in all these relationships, there's a kind of fatalism to socialism that eventually it's going to turn on you. And, and I think he definitely experienced that when he was at Catalonia, you know, in the Spanish Civil War, because he was fighting with the communists, you know, against the fascists, and the communists turned on him. And and he was kind of innocent then, too. He thought he was fighting on the right side, but then then there was different factions of communists there, and they called them the Trotskyites. And so so the other factions were against them. And so, so I, I think that... Um, Michael Sheldon believed that all of these events in his life led him to write 1984, and he was, he was, you know, encapsulating all of them. And I think we begin to see that with O'Brien, because O'Brien really does. He comes up a lot right alongside Winston, and he says, "We're going to meet in the place where it's it's uh, where there's no darkness." And the thing is, even when I, I was reading that, I thought, "Wow, is he talking spiritually?" Because you know. Spiritually, there's light. It's all yeah, light. It you sounds know. like a good thing. Yeah, yes. right. <laughs> yes. You know, and mm-hmm. it's like Satan is the prince of darkness. Mm-hmm. You know, Christ is the morning star. You know, he's, he's like the light. And uh, I thought, wow, is, is uh, he getting spiritual here? You know, I, I wasn't sure what we're, where that was really going. But then, uh, we don't want to give away the end, but once you get to the end, that that room of light is the most evil room on earth. Mm-hmm. And that's... that's uh, that that's kind of a that's I think that's the genius of Orwell, you know, to bring all that out. But he does know how to even string us along. So, so uh, anyway, um, uh, maybe um, we still have some time. We're going to run out of time for this program, but um, um, maybe we could talk uh, just a little bit about, um, let's say, Julia's impression of O'Brien. You know what is what is her thoughts on him? That's kind of a ringer. I'm throwing that in. There. <laughs> I don't know. I guess she she is interested in him, but not with the same interest that Winston has. Winston is entirely encapsulated by, by this idea of a person, a single person, or a group of people making a difference. Julia doesn't even believe the Brotherhood exists. And so it kind of is an interesting situation when they both go to O'Brien and he's explaining all these things and they both, you know, make the, recite these vows 
saying that they'll do all these things and, you know, the name of the brotherhood and that sort of thing to rebel against the party, to they all hate Big Brother. And then she's going right along with him, but it doesn't seem like she's making her own decisions in that sense because she, she doesn't really care about that sort of thing. Like her actions and her words prove that she doesn't care. But, um, yeah, it's just very interesting because Winston is, you know, like he loves O'Brien because there's that potential to create change. But Julia's just in it. She's enjoying the the ability to play the system as it is now. Right. Yeah, J- Julia's not not really in it for a cause. No, no, she's she's in, in it because she likes to rebel. Um, right. Because she doesn't, but, but her rebellion was always just for whatever it means for her, what, what she can get out of it, you know, personally. Right. right. So I was kind of surprised that she, you know, when I read this, that she went with him to see O'Brien. For me, personally, I thought, mm-hmm. why would she go? Why, why was she interested? And then I was surprised that she, you know, said yes when, when, he, when he asked all these things. O'Brien says, will you be willing to do such and such and such and such? And they both say yes, you know. So I was kind of surprised about that. I think, I think Julia does hate the party, but I think she hates it for her own personal gain. Mm-hmm. You know, she, right. she, I mean, even the whole idea, and again, um, I, I do think he does, he is very careful how he, how he talks about, you know, their sexual encounter. And, um, you know, for her, it's just rebellion. You know, it, it's, it's, there's, there's not necessarily any relationship there. I mean, um, I think Winston would definitely love to be married. He would love to have children. And of course, then the whole thing with Catherine comes up, but she's the kind of like a side issue. And it's, it's almost like Orwell puts Catherine in there to, to highlight the way Julia is, you know, because Catherine, supposedly Julia is a part of the party. Supposedly she's one of the big rig leaners in the junior sex, anti-sex league. And of course, you know, the, the party wants to get rid of, you know, a sexual relationship because they can't control it. You know, they, they want to be able to control it. So it's not like he's, you know, talking about, uh, you know, this, this illicit, you know, it's, it's not a book like that. But, but the, the, the thing is, um, you know, uh, Julia spends a lot of time here, here. The party, the inner party members are the ones that advocate anti-sex. She, in fact, she's sleeping with thousands of them, you know, so, so uh, she's getting what she wants. And uh, you know, so so I think it's that's that's kind of interesting that way. Well, as I uh, was afraid, uh, that is all the time we have for today's program. Now, next time we will continue our discussion of Book Two of the world famous classic 1984 by George Orwell. Now, this first selection of our summer series has some eye-opening instruction as to what is happening right now in Western world governments and actually on your nightly news. You can buy 1984 at Amazon.com. You can find a used copy of the book at abebooks.com. And, of course, you can also check your local library. So please write me any comments you may have to jbl at pcog.org. You can follow JBL on Twitter at jbliterature1. You can also follow JBL on Facebook. Simply search for Just the Best Literature. So until next time, keep reading. been listening to just the best literature on trumpet radio 101.3 kpcg streaming online at kpcg.fm and the trumpet.com